Take your Bibles and turn immediately, please, to 1 Samuel, chapter 31, the last chapter of the book. 1 Samuel 31. Let's remain seated tonight. Let me read the first six verses of the chapter. 1 Samuel, chapter 31, verses 1 through 6, and please follow along with me, please. Now the Philistines fought against Israel... And the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchashua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul. And the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took his sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men that day together. I've never been to a Torian High School basketball game, but I've been to a Central, Bristol Central High School basketball game. Let me let you in on a little secret. The most famous, famous, or would have been the most famous Central, Bristol Central High School uh, athlete or graduate of Bristol Central High School would be a guy named Aaron Hernandez. Aaron Hernandez, of course, was born on April or November 6, 1989. Lived right down the street from us here. In fact, I know people in our church and knew exactly where he lived. He would go on and play for the University of Florida football. He would be a tight end for the world champion or the uh, the... Super Bowl champions number of times over, the New England Patriots. On June 17, 2013, in North Atterboro, Massachusetts, he would murder his childhood friend, Odin Lloyd. And in prison in Massachusetts on April 19, 2017, a little over a year ago, at age 27, he hung himself in prison. He went from the most famous... Think of it, the most, what would be the most famous high school graduate of Bristol Central High School to the most infamous. He had a great start. He had a tragic end. You know, there's a lot of people that have great starts and tragic ends. Saul was one of them. And I think of Saul. He was uh, a ladies' man, no doubt, tall, dark, and handsome. He was head and shoulders taller than any man in the, all of Israel. The Bible tells us, though, in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, that God does not choose to call many mighty, many wise, many noble. Thank you for that. But he has chosen a few. Most of us are just regular folks. Saul was not regular. Saul was blessed of God in a great way with the human character traits of God's, God's favor and blessing. And um, so he was blessed with power and bestowed privilege upon that few people in life ever get started with. I think of some Hollywood moguls. I think of some folks that uh, 
I'm thinking of an NBA player, I'll leave a name that uh, he's in the NBA today and so was his father. In fact, there's a lot of NBA players in the NBA that are sons of other NBA players, of course. Obviously, they had the height advantage and, and uh, they've been blessed. This is Saul of Benjamin. He was, or the tribe of Benjamin, rather. I'll get there. Let me just take my time here. Hold on here. Finally. So tonight I just want to just spend a few minutes and maybe this is a pre-message for our handful of graduates and our high school kids that are here. And of course every dad and every man in this room as well as ladies, it can be applicable to you as well. But you know, many people are gifted and they've been blessed of God. They have tremendous starts, but they experience a tragic end. And tonight, just in the minutes that we have, and I'm going to be as brief as I can possibly be, we want to go into the Lord's Supper here in a few minutes. But I want to give you five H's to honor of Saul's early life, or early years. Saul was greatly blessed of God, and I've always felt that we've been greatly blessed of God. And I know it sounds prejudiced. I know some people, I know our kids are taught differently. But I think it's, we've been blessed by the pure fact that we grew up in America. That alone is a blessing. And uh, that alone is privilege. And uh, I've heard of white privilege. Well, there's American privilege. We've been blessed. There's nothing wrong with that. We've just been, by God's grace, he let us be, live in this country. And we're, we should be thankful for it. And I think most everybody in this room is. Saul was blessed. He was of one of the right tribes. He was of the tribe of Benjamin. The other tribe that was stayed pure and right with things of God were the tribe of Judah. It's interesting. I have to do this quickly, but in the way of introduction, Benjamin was the tribe that went apostate about 100 years earlier than this event right here, and they almost got wiped out all, all but 600 men. This is from this small, relatively speaking, small population. Of course, Saul's going to be an offspring of Kish, and he's going to go on, of course, and be the first earthly king of Israel. But I want to tell you that Saul, even though he ended right, he had a great beginning, and I want to give you five H's this morning. And I think all of us in this room could, I think some of these things, if not all five of these attributes could be applied to us. And we've all had blessed beginnings, hopefully, in one way or another. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 9 real quickly here. 1 Samuel chapter 9. Notice what it says in verse number 21. This is when Samuel comes to anoint Saul as the first king of Israel. God never wanted Israel to have an earthly king, but uh, people, Saul would be the people's choice. And Saul answered and said, am, I, am not I a Benjamite? Now there's a lot of meat in that one statement. He said, we were the tribe that apostated. We were the, we were the wicked tribe. He said, I'm a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, smallest for a reason. And my family, the least of all the families of Benjamin, Where then, wherefore then speakest thou so to me? I want you to know that in Saul's early days, he walked in humility. The Bible says, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life, Proverbs 22.4. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Uh, I wanted to preach a message one of these days here on Gideon, the mighty man of valor. <laughs> I started laughing just thinking about it. We find him in Judges chapter 6, and let me paraphrase verse 15 it's, it's spoken of. 
Uh, he's hiding behind the threshing. He's hiding behind the barn. He's terrified for, the, for the, the, the Philistines. He's terrified for the enemies of God. And God says, he calls him. He says, uh, he says uh, uh, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. He's a coward. You know, Gideon says, who, me? You got the wrong guy. And I'm paraphrasing, Marty shot paraphrase. And he said, am I not the lady? He said almost the same exact words that Saul would say 100 plus years later. He says, I'm just, I'm, no, I'm a nobody. You know, little as much when God is in it. God delights in using uh, human people, or rather people with humility, that won't take his glory, won't attempt to try to take his glory. And so Saul, in his early years, he walked, he, he started off humbly, even though he was head and shoulders above all the other men. I've been to Philadelphia, I had to do this quickly, but been to... Independence Hall, and then down the lane, some of you have been there with me, and, and other times maybe, and there's that, there's that museum that we didn't go in when we did the church tour for time's sake and money's sake, but I, I've been to the museum where they have the lifelike statues of all 56 signers of the, the Declaration of Independence, and then they also had, now George Washington didn't sign the Declaration of Independence, but they have George Washington there, all life, life-size statues of these men uh, to their proportion. James Madison's was a very little guy, and... Uh, one of the architects of our Constitution, of course. But when you look at, the, and they're all standing up and they're all in conversational form, of course, they're all granite statutes. But do you'll notice the tallest man in the room, and it was accurate to history, was a guy named George Washington. Now, George Washington, he becomes our great president, and he was a great man. But he was picked not only by God, but he was picked by the people, the men, because he was the tallest man. But he, was, he kept humble about it. Saul was the tallest man, but he kept humble about it. He realized that his gift of grace was from God. But then I want you to notice a second H to honor. Let's go to second, First Samuel chapter 10. Notice verse number 9 for time's sake. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day when Samuel anointed Saul as king. He gave him a change to a new heart. A change to a new heart. The Bible says in Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse number 26, let me read it to you. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I quoted the verse this morning, we quoted many times, but... If any man be in Christ, he's the what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God changes the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Saul, in his early years, he walked humbly, even though he was the tallest man in the, the bunch, in the, in the, in, uh, of the tribes. He, he had a changed heart. He was humbled that he was anointed king. Then I want you to notice, and by the way, there's always a new start. I don't care how bad you start or how good your start is. There's always a new start when we receive Christ as our Savior. There's a new start with salvation. But number three, in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 27, let me read verse 26. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Let me interject this. Uh, I'll be careful here, but uh, I mentioned I was talking to a certain preacher yesterday. 
And, uh, you know, we have some people fooled around America. And I, I started laughing, almost giggling about it. We have people that think that Harvest Baptist Church is this great church in New England. Well, we are a great church because we have a great God. But they think, you know, our reputation is greater than what we really are. And, and my reputation with a few handful of people is greater than it really is. If they really knew me. But God has been very good to us. And uh, God has blessed us. And I say that in context of verse number 10, 26. Listen, God did everything that's ever been done around here. God, all the good things God did. I've made a ton of mistakes over the years. And God still has overseen and overrode those mistakes. And God is blessed in spite of me. And, but if there's been blessings, if Saul was early on successful. And if you read the, the, the history, the 40-year history, he couldn't have won those many battles that he won without the help and the heart of other men and women. And if we've won any battles, Harvest Baptist Church, it's not because of this preacher, it's because of a team effort. We're working together. God's blessed us in a great way because the, and many of your, your hearts are knit. You put up with this preacher when I, even uh, in my frailties and so forth, and you know that it's God that receives the glory, but these band of men, their hearts were touched. But verse number 27, it says this, but the children of Belial said, how shall this man, speaking of Saul, save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but notice this, and here's the punchline, but he held his peace. He held his peace. In Saul's early days, he, uh, he held his temper. Hold your temper. And by the way, your tongue. Wow. Bible says, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls. Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool when he is, holdeth his peace is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Saul held his peace. He could have flown off uh, uh, the handle, could have lost his temper. How many people have lost jobs because in a moment of anger, a moment of wrath, they, pardon this thing, they've cocked off and just went off on their boss or went off on somebody? How many people have lost a great opportunity in life because in a moment of rage and fit, they, their tongue... They, the Bible says, James 3, that a tongue can no man tame. And Saul, in his early years, learned to hold his tongue. You know, many times I've prayed, and, you know, and I've prayed, Lord, help me to say what I need to say, and Lord, help me to not say what I don't need to say. And I found one, and I, I think of Pastor Parmar for a minute, I think of Brother Caleb that's been learning how to preach and so forth. And in some ways, I think it's just as important that we learn to Dear God, help us to say what needs to be said. Help us to be careful not to say what shouldn't be said. And sometimes we don't need to say certain things. And I've been guilty more times than I want to admit. Don't speak in anger. Speak in spirit control. At this point in time, evidently Saul was in spirit control. Then I want you to notice number four, chapter 11. And I know I'm hurrying tonight and that's on purpose. Or 1 Samuel chapter 11, the, the, the fourth H, if you will, to Saul's honor as a young, in his young life. In 1 Samuel, 6, or 1 Samuel 11, verses 6 through 11, I think for sake of time we won't read upon it, but it's the story of the, uh, the Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, verse 2, if you just glance at it. 
he comes against the, the city of Jabesh Gilead, of course, an Israelite city, and he's going he's to kill them all. And Saul gets word, and the Bible says, verse number six, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled. There's kindled greatly. There's a righteous anger, and he took his took yoke of oxen and he hewed them in pieces. And he basically said, charge, we're going to war, boys. That's what he said. That's Marty Schott's slang again. And they did go to war, and they did deliver Jabesh Gilead. There's a, there is a good fight of faith. There is a time when we, we need to stand up and be courageous. And heroism, that's the fill-in-the-blank word, heroism or courage, is needed. I like that phrase, Brother Ray's been making flags uh, uh, out of wood. I've seen several of them in different... Uh, uh, you know, we're the home of the free, what is it, no, the, pardon me, the land, yeah, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I was thinking that little statement, maybe you can help me out. We'll only be the land of the brave as long as we're home of the free or something like that, or home of the, home of, let me try that again, I just butchered that terrible. You know what I'm trying to say already, don't you? We'll only be free as long as we're willing to be courageous and brave. And there's, and I might just interject here, and for you all political people, I'm not trying to hurt you. You just need to understand that North Korea is a threat to, to a lot of people. They're oppressors of their own people. They need to be overthrown. I mean, this diplomatic talk, I'm glad it's going on. I think, forget the dip- diplomacy, I think there's a better way to solve the problem, but that's why I'm not president. And maybe we can, but I, I doubt it. I think we need to cut the serpent's head off, if you know what I mean. You can read between those lines. There comes a time when you've got to fight. There comes a time when you've got to kill the cancer, or it'll kill you. And Saul recognized there was a time to fight. He said, I don't care if you like it or not, we're fighting, boys. And they went into battle, and not everybody was happy about it, but they went and they won the battle. Thank God for patriots. Thank God for courage. We're free today because of men that better than ourselves, I like to say, that paid the ultimate sacrifice that you and I might live. Saul was honored in his early life because he had humility. He had a changed new heart. He, had a, he held his temper in his tongue. He, he had heroism. He had courage. By the way, true courage is not produced by love of honor or fame, but by love of God and for people. In 2 Samuel 10, 12, and I'm paraphrasing again, Jonathan says, let us play the man for our people and our God. When the, the, uh, the Philistines came against Israel, Saul, rather, Jonathan and his armor bearer went up and, or excuse me, I, 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 wrong reference, Joab, Joab, excuse me, David's, Five-star general, when he went into battle against the Syrians, that's the story in 2 Samuel 10, 12. He said, let us play the man for our people and God. They were outnumbered, they were overwhelmed, and they went into battle anyhow. If God be for us, who can be against us? And so we see this, this heroism. But then 1 Samuel 11, verses 12 to 15, the people are upset. This is still in the story of the context of the, 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 the victory uh, with Jabesh Gilead and over the Ammonites. We get to the end of the story, verses 12 to 15, and then for the third or fourth time I'm paraphrasing. The people are now upset because they, they're tired, they're worn out, they just fought a hard-fought battle. And the Bible says, verse number 15, of the last verse of the chapter, and all the people went to Gilgal. They made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. 
And they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And I want you to know, I should have read the preceding verses here, but, but he, Saul was all about healing or compassion. He had a healing or compassionate attitude. He said, we're going to take care of things, and then we're going to, we're going to bind up the brokenhearted. We're going to, they saved all the men and women and children of Jabesh Gilead. And uh, Jesus said, by the way, in Matthew 5, 9, he says that he, we were not to hate our enemies but forgive them. Saul had a, 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 an attitude of uh, healing. He had an attitude of where he was going to be a blessing to the people that he was in charge with. And so we see that Saul was blessed in his early years because he had humility. He had a new changed heart. He, had a, he held his temper in his tongue. He held his peace when he, when he could have cocked off and said some bad things and aggravated the situation even further. He had heroes, I mean, he had healing. But we get to the second half of Saul's life, and remember, he reigns for 40 years. And really, it's the first just handful of years, we passed over much, many things that, of Paul's life. We're trying to summarize his life in 20 minutes of 40-year life. But I want you to know that Saul's superficial spirituality led him into a downward spiral that culminated in destruction. I've known a number of, uh, and I just interject and just say it quickly, I did have the privilege of uh, going to college with some pretty well, some, some fellows that were, should have been something, big time. I went to school, I've alluded, if you want to ask me after service, I'll tell you who it is. But I was roommates with a fellow that was responsible, his daddy was responsible for bringing on a lousy Sunday 10,000 people in a church. On good Sundays, 20,000 people in the church. His daddy just died. His son, my former roommate, is, hasn't lived for the Lord in 40 years. He, he thought he was blessed because you know, on the football team and the ladies' man and all the rest. Could have been used, as, used of God in a great way, but he was like Saul. He had everything. He had a great, tremendous start. And he's been finishing terrible for many years. I want you to notice in 1 Samuel chapter 13, just glance at it, verses 13 through, verses 8 through 12 especially. This is, uh, notice that Paul's first, or rather Saul's first beginning of his spiritual destruction began by presumptuous intrusions. Presumptuous intrusions. He forced himself, verse number 12. He's, uh, he's wanting to know if they can go into battle against the Philistines and Samuel the prophet Verse number eight, has uh, not showed up yet to uh, go in and offer their Urim and Thummim and ask God to, uh, for blessings and guidance. And so Samuel intrudes upon the priest's office. And it says in verse 13 and 14 of the text, And Samuel said unto Saul, this is after Saul presumptuously intruded into the priest's office, went into where he didn't belong. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him after a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Presumptuous intrusions. Uh, 
going into places that we ought not go into. I overheard Dale Marcy, by the way, I just, pardon me, I overheard some of the words that you were saying just a minute ago, and they had an impromptu Sunday school class just minutes ago in the room here, here for Crystal, quite frankly. And they were talking about uh, the, the pastor. I heard that part, my ears perked up. And I, they were talking about how I'm going to give an account one day. They were referring to, I don't know if they were used to verses of Hebrews 13, 7 and 17. But the Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves to them as they have watched for your souls. Uh, James 4 tells us that, uh, brethren, be not many masters, knowing ye shall receive the greater condemnation. I'm going to give an account how I pastored you folks. I'm going to give an account how I guided and directed you. You'll give your own account, but I'll give that account, and it's a pretty heavy-duty affair. And I say that, and I say this in all humility, and I could get out of the way for a minute and just say, in fact, let me use some other pastors. I've seen where members try to take it upon themselves and intrude where they shouldn't be and try to correct the pastor and so forth. Listen, God is perfectly capable, and by the way, far better at doing this than any of you in this room. God can correct me, and believe me, he's corrected me many on occasion. He can do it far better than any of you can do it, I promise you. And sometimes it, it hurts, smarts more, but it's a blessing because he always binds up afterwards. He's always gracious that way. But there's some areas that we don't intrude in. Saul was king. He was the big boy. But Samuel was the prophet. And Saul intruded into where Samuel's business let me just be real practical, folks. Pray for me that I might lead our church family in the proper way. Over the years, I'm, you know, I've been changing ever so. I think it's been good. I hope it's been good. Pastor Palmer, I'll blame some of him for that. For that. He's, he's been my prayer partner for eight, nine, ten years now. And he's molded me. I don't know if I molded him, but he's molded me. <laughs> and I think to the better. I know I, the older I get, the more humbled I think I become. And I realize that it's all God. Saul wanted to take things into his own hands. He began with presumptuous intrusion, and it cost him, the, cost him ultimately the, the, the kingship. But God would bear with him for many years afterwards. Then uh, turn to 1 Samuel 15. I do want you to see this one here real quickly here. 1 Samuel 15, verses... 8 and 9, here again we see Saul, he's commanded to go in and smite all the Amalekites. Many of you know the story. Kill the king, kill everyone, uh, kill all the Amalekites, the age-old enemies of, of, of uh, God, or uh, the people of Israel. And of course, he, he doesn't obey all the way. He saves King Agag. You know the story, most of you anyhow. And I want you to notice in verse number 22 and 23, for time's sake. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices. Remember, Samuel, or rather Saul, had, he had partial obedience. Partial obedience, someone has said, partial obedience is really no obedience at all. Partial obedience is saying, I'm going to do part of what you say. Listen, the word of God is not, we don't have in the, the, the Exodus 20 the 10 suggestions. We, we, we don't have the, you know, the Bible's not a smorgasbord. Pick and choose what you want. 
And by the way, why I'm spouting off for a moment, yes, we talk about grace all the time, and yes, we're New Testament Christians, but that doesn't mean we throw away the Old Testament. That doesn't mean that, yeah, we're not under covenant, we have a covenant God, but we don't believe in covenant theology, but I'm going to tell you there's some good covenant teaching. In the Bible, God is a covenant God, that's for fact. There's some principles in the Old Testament we would do well to incorporate in our life. Now you say, I know I'm confusing some of you right now, but I, you know, let me get this off my chest here. I, I probably, I said something this morning here. Let me apologize right now. I think it came off wrong the way my introduction right out of the gate. Uh, you didn't have the context of what I tried to say in one minute that I probably needed five minutes to explain. But I gave the illustration about courtrooms and about coming into the house of God. And let me try one more time. What I'm trying to say is I've seen more respect in civil courtrooms than I've seen many times in the house of God. And I, if you want some, for examples, I'll give you some examples after the service of private. I've seen, I've been in court probably, to my knowledge, at least, I would guess, at least 30 or 40 times. Maybe 50, I don't know. Many times going with people. And I've sat there did it as hard as I could. That hurt. <laughs> they slam that gavel down. And a guy in a black robe walks in and they say, all rise. Well, I don't know why I'm preaching. I'm sorry. I just uh, got, or why I'm yelling. You rise. No, they say, all rise. And you rise. You know, I thought, we, I didn't have you stand for the, re- pre- preaching or the reading of the word of God, but I think there's some things. If a human judge that's flawed gets honor, how much more should our God of all gods get honor? I just, I just think we've lost a lot. And I, I, I don't know if I'm digging a hole again from this morning, but let me just try to, try to finish up and try to heal this thing up here, what I'm trying to say. I just see some frivolity in the house of God that from time to time, and I look past it, I, 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 I think I do, but it's a fearful thing to... to be in the courtroom of the Lord of God Almighty. We ought to give him worship. And I know this is a place of worship. And I don't want to squelch your, uh, your, your, uh, ver- your uh, when you want to be vocal. I'm not trying to do that for sure. But I think we just ought to give God respect. That's all I'm trying to say. And Samuel, back to our text, he didn't give God respect in the fact that he obeyed partially, not completely. He didn't, he didn't really obey God at all. He just picked and cho- chose what he wanted to do. Okay, God told him to kill all the animals. He kept the best of the sheep and the best of the cattle. God told him to kill the king. He didn't kill the king. Well, if I kill the king, maybe somewhere down the road when there's an insurrection in my camp, maybe, maybe they'll spare me. Or maybe if an enemy comes in, they'll spare me as a king because I've got to watch out for us kings, you know. Partial obedience. Number three, let me hurry along here. First Samuel 18, and in fact, let me just give you the point. Prideful jealousy. You know the story when Saul heard the words, David has slain, Saul slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Jealousy will destroy you. Jealousy will, is, uh, will bring you down. 
We ought to be thankful when other churches and other people are blessed and honored and Christians are blessed above us. There ought not to be pride in the, there ought not to be competition in the work of God. We're all in this together for the glory of God. We, uh, all of our, hey, let me get on our Sunday school classes for a minute here. Uh, we have all our individual classes, but we're all, all one cohesive part of a, of a local New Testament church body. We're all in this together. We've got to cooperate one with another. All of our ministries, for that matter. There's no ministry in and of itself. Nurseries and workers are important. Uh, and yet, uh, in all these different venues here, don't become an island unto yourself. This is my ministry. No, we're all in this together. And let's uh, work together as a team. Teamwork, I like this phrase. I, I stole it, of course, from somebody else who stole it from somebody else. Teamwork makes the dream work. Don't be jealous. Saul should have been thrilled that David uh, killed Goliath and that, that he was a great warrior. Number four, for time's sake, a fourth thing that led to Saul's demise was uncontrolled passions. Again, second, uh, 1 Samuel 22 in verses 17 to 19. Uh, excuse me here. Uh, this is where Ahimelech the priest that gave David, of course, uh, uh, Samson's sword. You know the story, many of you at least. And David, uh, and he gave uh, David food and bread. And Doeg, the, the wicked Doeg, uh, son of Belial, uh, the king says in verse number 17, And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord. Can you imagine that? Because their hand also was with David. He goes on to say that the, even his own soldiers, Saul's soldiers wouldn't do it. They wouldn't lift up their hand. But Doeg, verse number 18, turned and fell upon the, the priest and slew 85 of them. And then they slew the city of Nob. They slew, slew their women and their children and their, their little babies. This wicked man. Here's a some, here's some man that was called to be a preserver, to be a blessing. I mean, I go back to Aaron for Hernandez as a, as a pathetic illustration, but Aaron Hernandez, uh, you know, being a tight end for the New England Patriots, I guarantee he made a paycheck a little bit larger than your paycheck. Okay, let's be truthful. Multi-millionaire overnight at 21 years old. Played one season of NFL football and properly manages money. He could have been rich for the, richer than anybody in this room for the rest of his life. And he blew it all in a moment of uncontrolled passion with a friend. What, friends like that, who needs enemies? Killed his own friend. Oh, a moment of uncontrolled passion. One moment, one, one blotch, and one, one act out of anger can destroy 20 years, 40 years of ministry. I gave you an illustration. It's been many years ago now. When I first moved to Connecticut, right here in our orbit here of western Connecticut there was a good preacher and he got mad one day and he hit took a punch one of the men in his church that was 30 plus years ago 35 years ago let me let you on a secret as far as I know he's still alive and he hasn't pastored in 35 years I dare say he was a good pastor 
But in one moment of uncontrolled anger, he blew it all. Saul had many of those moments. Lastly, in 1 Samuel 28, and we won't turn there for time's sake, it's the whole chapter. It's the story of Saul asking if he should go into battle again. And he, he didn't have a man of God to go ask anymore because he's running away from the things of God. So he went to the witch doctor. He went to the soothsayer. He went to the witch of Endor. You know the story. And he, he went willfully, knowingly he was doing wrong. And so Saul's demise came from personal and perpetual perversion. There came a point where, do you think anybody in his, his uh, inner circle had to tell him, Saul, don't go to a witch. God is not happy with witches. God says, you don't, you don't think they knew the scriptures? They knew that the Pentateuch and they knew that a witch or a necromancer should be killed? Death penalty? They all knew it, every one of them. Saul knew it. But he got to the point of such depravity, he says, I don't care. I'm going to the witch anyhow. It's amazing how far Christians can get away from, of course, the question is, was Saul, Saul ever a, a child of God? And I know the Spirit of God came upon him, and, and we could talk about some dispensational speak here tonight, but we won't for sake of time. Uh, I don't think Saul's probably was ever, or I don't think he's in heaven. I don't think he's a believer. But wrong, re, wrong living results in the fearful. We get to back to 1 Samuel 31 where we ended a fearful and a shameful death. But in 1 Samuel 15, 17, when Saul was little in his own eyes, then God lifted him up. I end with the illustration I began with. The people of Bristol, Connecticut, and the people of Bristol Central High School, right now they could have a superhero for their great graduate, but instead they have an infamous murderer that will forever be tell. Lord comes back. He had a great, tremendous beginning, Aaron Hernandez did. Great physical physique, one of the few men, one of the 660 men or whatever the number is, I think it is, that get to play NFL football for the best team, arguably, of all the 30-plus NFL teams. And he threw it all away because he had a great start, but he had a terrible ending. Young people especially. Let me just preach to you for 10 seconds and we're done. You all got a great start. Better than you probably realize. You're born in America. You got family that cares for you. You got a Christian family. You became a Christian. God has greater for you than you have for yourselves. Now take that start and don't be an Aaron Hernandez. Be a George Washington. Don't be a Saul of uh, King Saul be a Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus had a great start and he also had a great finish. Yeah, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, not to me only, but all, to all those that love is appearing. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word tonight. Lord, it's true, we've... We've heard it said, even as childhood days, I remember someone saying, I don't know who it's attributed to, but it's not how well you start that counts, but where you finish. Lord, maybe there's been some setbacks in our life, and no doubt, Lord, anybody that's lived any length of time, Lord, we've had our own setbacks, some of, some of our own because of our own fault. But Lord, uh, we can retrieve, we can go back to our days of humility and our days of 
honesty and our days of being self-control over our tongue. Lord, we can be blessed if we choose to do so, if we uh, live humbly before our God, humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, and in due season he will lift, he, you will lift us up. I pray you bless in our just moments of invitation in our hearts and life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand, just one verse of Tampa.